Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast. For each week, we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. National Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. We've got things, got a couple cameras running here so you guys can see what's going on. My beautiful bride says that this is what I needed to do. To my right, it's kind of hard to tell, but that is Luke from the Bushwhackers. We're live at the Desmond Hotel. Let's see if I turn this one. If you can't tell who that is, that's the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. He's joining us today. Maybe we get an interview with him and then right here to my right, you can't see him. That's the back of Dan the Beast. We got all kinds of legends here. Virgil's here. Uh, welcome to you. will be joining us here. Dan, uh, Bill Apner's here. Maybe we get Bill to stop by. Here's Bill. Where's Bill? Where's Bill Apner? Maybe get Bill to stop by and talk to us. We're going to be doing a bunch of different lives. We'll probably go live a few different times. If you're in the Albany area, make sure you come by, stop by, and you see us. We'll be here till 1 o'clock from 10 to 1 at the Desmond Hotel in Albany, New York. Meet some legends, pick up some gear. Have a good time. Again, this is all through the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. There's all kinds of cool stuff. People got shirts. They've got a little bit of everything. You can get autographs. One of our prior guests across the way here, Dave. Dave, the ring man, he was actually a uh, referee for professional wrestling for a long, long time. We, Ken's going to sneak in the camera. There's, there's Luke with the Bushwhackers, uh, another legend. It's just, you know, you, you can't beat what's going on here today. A little bit of everything, a little bit of everybody. So we'll be keeping this uh, going live as long as we can. Uh, we'll go back and forth. I'm hoping, uh, I believe Susan Sexton's going to be here this year also. We love Susan. She is amazing. Uh, she joined us last year on our lives. It was a lot of fun. She lives here in the Capitol District. And one of the great things about Susan is she will tell it how it is. Uh, when Susan and I met last year, she was she does photography now, but she actually was an early WWF women's champion before the change of the day. So she was uh, WWF. She now does photography in the area, but when we talked last year, uh, some of the things that she let us in on about the fact that uh, she was actually one of the early shoot wrestlers for females, and they wanted her to be a baby face. And she was about to have her. Maybe we can get her to uh, talk about that again. Just a great opportunity again. We are live at the Desmond Hotel in Albany, New York. Make sure if you're in the area, come by and see us. This is going on from 10 to 1. Here comes big Seth coming from the door. Maybe we can get Seth to, uh, to join us here for a moment. He, he is in his glory. This is uh, where he wants to be at all times, surrounded by his people. So we, we get a uh, big set. Um, also, over to my right, and I don't know if he, if he wrestles or not, he's uh, the real bad guy. I'm the real bad guy. Uh, we got Scott's, uh, Scott's actual son. Uh, Scott Hall's actual son. He looked back this way because he heard me saying I'm the real bad guy. So we'll see if we, we can get him to uh, come on for a couple minutes. You got a minute? You want to come on? 
Well, he, he doesn't want to come on. We, we thought we'd get him on here. But uh, we'll be live again after Desmond. I know I keep repeating it, but I figured that's the best way we can get everybody to know. And then later on tonight, we'll go ahead and have dinner with all these these legends. Uh, my wife and I got tickets. We're one of the sponsors. Well, this is the first thing I've ever sponsored. But uh, I guess you couldn't call him Little Scott. Here he is. Oh, my camera's in the way. So we'll keep this going here. Uh, if you if you're in the area again, come by the Desmond. Try to see who else. Oh, Mr. Funk is here. You know, there's there's just so many. Uh, you just look around the room. The room and, uh, if you were a kid in the started watching wrestling between the the seventies through the nineties, and uh, loved it. This is. This was everybody you wanted to meet. This is everybody you wanted to hang out with. So we'll get these folks. They should be coming on over here, here soon. Oh, there's Joe. Joe's around taking pictures of our folks. But uh, just legend upon legend are here. If you have any questions, maybe if you want to ask somebody a question, uh, we can get some folks to come over and join us. I absolutely do that for you. For those of you joining us, just trying to get some different, different angles, different folks. Uh, let's see if Mr. Uh, Dan will join us for, for a moment. Uh, maybe Kenny can, can, can ask some of these folks. When, when you got time, Dave, we'll get everybody you want. Just another one of the you can't beat being a podcaster. Like, just the options. Kendo, I'll get you on here sooner or later. Well, you might. <laughs> Ken's going to come on and talk to us about ballroom dancing. I'll take him. We'll, we'll take him in a heartbeat. Hey, Ken, will you get a if, he, if he has time, if he wants to come on. If you got time, Mr. Ted, would you like to come on? If you got a moment. Thank you, Mr. Ted. I appreciate it. I'm, my name's Sean. How are you? Good, Sean. Headphones, everything here for you? Already, folks, we've got bellying up to the bar to us with us today. The million-dollar man. Like, I got chills, actually, saying <laughs> sitting next to you and saying the million dollar man Ted DiBiase saying it and I will admit I actually had to make sure I spelled Ted DiBiase about five times I spelled it right because <laughs> yeah, my well. spell check didn't want it, want it so thank you sir welcome to the bar thank you to be, thank you for having me that's awesome you were here last year weren't you uh, no, I know I wasn't here last year but I, this is yeah. I mean I, I'm in that big more fun too are you? The, the funk family is synonymous with professional wrestling. It goes way back. I mean, Murray um, Funk Sr. and my father wrestling was just simply higher than Mike Diazzi. Um, had, to my knowledge, the longest professional wrestling matches. They wrestled three hours and 15 minutes to a draw. 
in Amarillo, Texas, in what they call the Texas Death March in the summer of 1969. And the only reason the match is because there's a curfew on the building, and the police came in and, and stopped it. And I think they knew that going in, but they were going to do it. I mean, it was just but, but for two for two men to capture the attention of an audience for that long, I mean, they wrestled out on the floor. They wrestled out into the street, back into the into the building, and uh, they also, because uh, I guess for the business, what we call hard way each other. I mean, they they, they were some of them, they they gave each other deliberate punches, you know. Uh, so they they were going like the shoot style action, putting it on somebody. Yeah. But uh, I mean, not not the entire match, but yeah, for for the purposes that, and they had the picture of both of them in the paper the next day. You know, great pieces under their eyes. So uh, it was very good for the business. I tell you what, I mean, cause for uh, for their feud to go on and on and on. And every so every time my dad, you know, like it was this is the days of territorial wrestling. Amarillo was the base of that territory because you know Jory Funk Senior was the promoter. And so you would go to a territory, you'd stay six months a year or whatever, and then you'd go to another territory or two, and then you if you if you went away longer, come back to French. Okay. So every time my dad came back to Amarillo, I mean the wrestling fans went, okay, you're you know, hit, hit funk, we're gonna go out at it again. So that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and that same summer, summer '69, uh, my dad's a real hard guy. I love it, Texas. Mother uh, uh, and my brother went back to Arizona where her parents lived. And I finished high school there. I had signed a scholarship to play football at the Arizona. And I threw the TV on the day, and it's the wrestling show out of Amarillo. And they're coming to Tucson. And I, I hadn't seen any of the phones for three years. I hadn't seen any wrestling until their, their TV show came on. They, were, they thought they were going to try to move to Arizona. So I go to Tucson. And, you know, and, and walk up and, and, and uh, I tapped Gorga on, on the shoulder and said, hey, long time no see. And he looked at me for a minute. Ted? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Dory Jr. with it. Dory Jr. and his dad were there that time. I said, you're going to be back in two weeks. Terry's going to be with us. Come back. And I said, okay. Terry talked to me about taking the recruiting trip to West Texas State. He told me, he said, even if you made up your mind to go to Arizona, he says, just take the trip. Come see what you're doing. But that's all I took. So I went back to Amarillo, visited West Texas State. And, uh, and I, I even knew that, you know, even though I had given a scholarship to play college football, and it was at a very small school, and I, I knew it was that was never my first love anyway. My first love was wrestling. And so it didn't take much to talk me in. And there were people back in Arizona that were that went nuts 
you know, basically in the little town where I live, you know, because they had supported me so much, right? With the football stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, and now I'm not going to go to Arizona. I'm going to go to Texas. So I, you know, I probably pissed a lot of people off. But, you know, that was the thing. And so I went to West Texas State. And, uh, yeah, at the end of my, uh, uh, at the end of my sophomore year, uh, my summer job became referee. I could referee now. The NCAA hadn't changed the ruling yet. Now, now you could participate as a professional in one sport and maintain your amateur status in another sport. And back then, once you went and did anything right, you were, you were done as an amateur for anything. So anyway, uh, I, I refereed that summer. Um, and you learn a lot being the, the third man in the ring, too. I wrestled all, I mean, I refereed all of the territory. So, and that was that. So, the next summer, in my junior year, Vic Murdoch says to me, he says, hey, Dad, I'm going to Mid-South. He says, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Cowboy Bill Watson is the promoter uh, there. And he says, yeah, if you want to get your feet wet, I think I could probably get you rough. I said, see what you can do. And so, sure enough, he called me. He says, if you want to start, you can start this summer. So I went to I went to the Mid-South in the summer of 75 uh, to get my feet wet, so to speak. <laughs> At the end of the summer, when it was time to go back to school or back to football, you know, I, I called my coach and I said, Coach, I said, I, I let you know this point. I'm not coming back. You know, I, you know, now from where I am now, now, what a, you know, I had one year of college left. That's all you had left. That's all I had left, you know, and, and that's all, you know, and I, I had a degree in, you know, in, in, in education. Uh, what a minute. <laughs> I'll tell you who was really mad at me was, uh, the, the person that was the maddest at me was, was Terry Punk's wife, Vicky. Really? Because uh, I was kind of like a, you know, I was like a, I'm like a family member with that. You know, I mean, you know, tonight I'm, I'm going to induct Terry Punk. I mean, uh, the Funk family, my family, uh, go way back. Like I said, you know, Funk Senior and my dad having that long Texas and I, I just found this out from Gory this weekend. They were about, Gory Sr. was about to ask my dad to come on as a partner in the territory. Wow. And then he had a heart attack and died. He never, he never did. And I just found that out. So, yeah. That's that's how I so you know my relationship with the punks is just it's like I'm uh, I'm like a part of the family, family to me and uh, I can still remember being out on Dory Fuck Senior Ranch and I'm I'm riding on a horse with Terry. I, I don't know what I don't know, I can't remember how old I was. Terry Terry's about uh, uh, sixty-eight. I think Terry's seventy-seven now. Uh, and anyway, but I'm, I'm riding on this horse with him, and I said to him, "Terry, what happens if we see a snake?" He says, "Well, if we see a snake, I'll leave you here to watch the snake." And I, <laughs> I said, he started laughing. I said, "You ain't leaving me here." <laughs> but 
anyway, the, the influence of the farm shop on my life and my career, or, you know, it's like, I'm blessed um, that I started. And, and Bill, Cowboy Bill Watts will tell you, he learned the psychology of wrestling from Eddie Graham okay. in Florida. And Eddie Graham is one of the greats. And Eddie Graham will tell you, he learned it from Dory Fox Senior. Yeah. So, Funk Senior was, uh, you know, they, you know, Funk's in, in, in West Texas. They had, they had a, they had a thirty-minute TV show, in, in, uh, just like a talk show. Really? Yeah. Like about wrestling? Or well, just in general. Oh wow! So, but the Funk name and, and the Funk name in, in wrestling is I mean, both Dory Junior and Terry. To this day, probably one of the greatest matches I ever witnessed was a match between Maurice Jr. and Jack Briscoe, who also was an NWA champion. But I watched them have a match in Emerald Sports Arena, one out to a draw. And, and at the end, the people were standing on their feet because they made the match to win. That's, yeah. That's why. I mean, I'm just thinking about the the time frame when you're talking about three hour matches, one hour matches. In those days, and I take nothing away from today, but I always feel like the promo is more important today than the match itself. Do do you understand what I mean? And I'm not taking anything away from it. Obviously, you know, the you got to be able to talk and present and tell the story. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, to me, you know, uh, it's, it's not the same, of course, you know, old school. I'm proud of it, to be honest with you, because, you know, back then, you know, the story was not, it's kind of like if you watch, if you watch the uh, wrestling today, uh, you, know, you know, you've got you got things going on backstage. You got things going on in the dressing room, and it's like this two-hour soap opera. But back in that, what was important, more important than the promo, was the match. The story was the match. What was happening in that? What was happening in that, in that ring? And you know, and, and today, you know, uh, in, in wrestling terminology. It's like, well, you have a match and then you do a high spot. We call it high spot, a high spot, because it's like you get off off the mat and it's something like, you know, you hit it with a clock. You know, you do something. Well, now it's like the matches are, the whole match is a high spot. Right, everything is a fit. Like every guy's got 15 finishing moves. And- uh, oh, yeah. And they're, they're, they're uh, going over the top rope and getting the floor and bouncing up like nothing happened. So, yeah, I, I don't, I would be honest with you. I don't have a lot of respect for what I, it's hard for me to watch the rest Really? Yeah. It's hard for me to watch it today. And I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes I, you know, I have confrontations with Terry. I call him occasionally. Terry's, Terry's in the He's, you know, consistent with me right now. Okay. He's, uh, you know, you know, his wife passed away. So, but I, I love the guy. He'll, he'll, he'll ask me, he'll say, Teddy? Did you see that? 
I can't say that word on video. Well, this is that? this is a podcast, so you can say it and you need to. Did you see that shit on TV the other night? Quit, quit watching all it's going to do is make you mad. Uh, and it's just, it's, yeah, it's too much. It's too much high spot. It's not enough. It's not enough for me to like. I try to tell guys that come to me for advice. I said, when you go into a movie theater, you know when you walk in the door, it's a movie. And people now know when they walk into a wrestling show, it's not real. It's, it's, it's a show. I said, but I said, if the actors in that movie present themselves in such a way, they draw you into the story. And for that two hours that you're there, they can make you laugh, they can make you cry, they can make you mad, they can make you happy if they're really good at what they do. Well, that's what wrestling used to be. That match was the story. And you got into the story. Most of that story was two guys, you know, you know, obviously it was a good guy and a bad guy, but, but having a match, a contest where they're on the mat and they're in a hole and they're out of a hole. And, and, you know, and then there was the occasional boom, high spot, you know, and then, but then you're back on the mat and you're having it. And that's what's changed. But uh, if people, well, everything does change. But Bill Watts, and this is back when I was still wrestling, he saw that. He saw that coming. He said, he says, here's what I want you guys to do. He told, he says, Teddy, he says, you and Terry Gordy, this whole week, we're wrestling each other. He says, I want you to do an hour broadcast each night. You know, an hour-long match to a draw. And he said, he told the crew, he says, he says, all you guys, you know, when you're through with your match, don't leave. He says, I want you guys to watch that. He says, because there's, you know, there's, the, the, you know, the, the, some of these shows are becoming all high spots. Gotcha. He says, so I want you to watch these two guys wrestle and tell the story. And, and, and we you know, we did the same thing. And it's like, uh, and a lot of people think, well, you know, that might not work for me. I guarantee you it would work. It would. If you had two guys that, that were capable of going out in the ring and, and putting on a match like that, it's, you know, it's, it's still That's amazing. I, and I don't want to hold you because I know you're doing autographs and everything. And, and folks, where is it, Desmond, in Albany, Nintendo One? Uh, I'll be at the dinner tonight with my, my wife. Uh, we'll be there, and I can't wait to see that. I did. One of the things I was always curious about is now today, every match is a star. It's two stars in every match. There's no jabron that's coming in that was a local guy. Is there anywhere for the aspiring wrestler other than the independent circuit that we used to see? Like, there was a guy, and you'll probably remember the name better than I can remember. I grew up in Baltimore, so there was a local guy, Bob Starr, Bill Starr, his last name was Starr. He was a local guy, and I used to watch him wrestle all the time. I only ever saw him win one match. He beat somebody who was a star. They let him wrestle again, and then he got his butt kicked the second time. But we don't see those guys. Every match has to be a superstar versus a superstar. I you know and I I don't I mean yeah I mean back back in the day a lot of times you know on a, on a weekly television show uh, you would see you would occasionally see two stars but usually when you talk saw two stars the two stars in a match on TV and they're shooting they're going to do something in that match to 
wanting you to see them at the arena. There's got to be something, yeah. something big coming because of this. Something's big coming. And, and well, a lot of the matches were, like I said, uh, on television to feature to feature your main For them to win, they would be wrestling somebody you hardly, you hardly do. Yeah, and you don't see that. And I don't, and I don't know. What uh, I've, I've been out of wrestling for so long, uh, and I know things change. Right, things are subject to change. But the fundamental thing that we do, I don't think, will ever change. Yeah, Bill Watts proved to that night that we were men every morning when we had an hour long match every night. You know, and again, at the end of the match, people were. That's a workout. Yeah. You're talking. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think people don't understand is that you're talking, tying, running, picking each other up, picking each other up. I mean, that's. Yeah. That's a, you did a, a, a one hour workout yeah. besides whatever else you were doing five days straight. I can't even I can't even imagine the physicality of what that had to be like. Well, I mean, again, it's like I remember the first time I had the only year I ever had any amateur wrestling was Omaha, Nebraska. I was going an all boy Catholic prep school in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, I was on the wrestling team. I was, I was the JV heavyweight because the varsity heavyweight was the state champion. <laughs> I learned a lot that year, <laughs> sure. And I had to wrestle him every day. But, uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in an amateur wrestling match, it only lasted like, I think, it's six minutes. And I said, because when the referee says, well, you're using every fiber of your body. Now, in pro wrestling, that's, that's not the case. I mean, that's. Yeah, but but nonetheless, to go uh, I mean to go for thirty minutes, you know, to go an hour, you have to try to time it, and, and there's an art to it. There is an art. Now, more of a curiosity. I know the stuff today frustrates you with what you're what you're saying, but would you ever consider any like the ringside stuff, like uh, the Jerry Lawler, like ringside? announcing it if they wanted you to come back even if it wasn't you know um, wwe like tna or whatever, whatever I, you know, I, I, I don't know you know i'm not sure how i would answer that <laughs> because i would love i'm gonna be honest yeah. to see the million dollar man ringside again blinged out you know that would be pretty amazing well you know i did go back you know after my physical wrestling years. That was all because of this herniated disc in my back. Uh, and I did go back and I managed for I think I managed uh, I managed Stone Cold. I managed uh, uh, King Kong Money. And I had like the, we call it Money Incorporated. Uh, I remember Money so, so, yeah, I have managed, but I don't, I've never. Uh, the only commentary I did, I did. Uh, I can't I think it was SmackDown. But uh, I was like what the co-host Gorilla Monsoon. Okay. And I did that for a short time, but it was because it was never live. You know, it was always, uh, always me in the studio, you know, and a lot of it was uh voice over. Voice over pre-recorded kind of stuff. Yeah. 
See, I in my head, I see that entire thing, the entire outfit, the suit, the, the, the everything about it that that's going on. Uh, there's there's actually my announcer right there, Mike Falvin. Uh, he's he's a local announcer, Mike. He's in the Air Force. I was in the Marine Corps for 20 years. He was in the Air Force. You can't get him to school, right? Yeah, no, you got to work with these guys. You know, the sheriff works with just one of those guys. But I don't want to hold you up. Mr. DiBiase, I, I cannot say enough about how honored I am to have you. We got another. West Texas boy. Oh, my God. 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 If you can pull up to that mic, mic there, Mr. Manny, we'll, we'll, we'll get you on here. For those of you that realize who this is, Manny, the Raging Bull Fernandez, joining us. We were just talking West Texas. We're going to add a little more West Texas. You know, you get one kid from the Mid-Atlantic here who's getting chills as uh, legends keep popping up to this table as we're bellying up to the bar here at the Desmond in Albany, New York. We'll be here from 10 to 1. Mr. Fernandez, thank you for coming out and joining us. You know, Manny would, Manny would tell you the same thing. It's like... If you guys lean into that mic, they'll hear you. So many guys, there's so many guys out of West Texas State, it's largely due to the influence of the Funk family, you know, and, and uh, God, just about <laughs> you can actually pipe that off the stand. Pipe it off the stand and they can hold it. Might be easier. There you go. I admit, I get it. Yes, I was, I was doing shots on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, this is just, I'm telling you, I promise you, I'm getting chills <laughs> just, just with, with this. Well, maybe, maybe tonight, I, I never found a bottle I, I couldn't handle. So uh, maybe maybe tonight at, at the dinner, you, you coming to the dinner there, Manny? So maybe tonight, my bride can drive. I drove her last night because we went and saw Chris Stapleton in concert. So I drove last night. So maybe she can drive me me tonight. We'll find out. But uh, but uh, thanks, sir. I appreciate it. Well, you guys, he's gonna do some autograph. Can you stick around for a minute, Manny? Yeah. We'll swap out headphones. You got those headphones on. I, I absolutely 110% appreciate that. You want to throw them on there, Manny? Flip this camera this way. And then you can pull that up to you. Just got to get that a little closer to your face. Yeah, forgive me. Oh, no, you're good. I didn't get in the 6 o'clock this morning. Where are you coming in? You coming in from Texas? Coming in from Oklahoma. 
I got friends that just moved out here. Moved out that way. If you slide up on that mic, you need to. You'll be good. I got friends that just. Uh, I retired out of the Marine Corps for 20 years. A friend of mine retired after 30 years, and his son, his daughter's going to OK, and they moved uh, back, just back out to that way. I got a kid who's doing my caretaker until I got more service to do my things on my own. He's going to be like me in the first time military. No, so who were you with? I saw your hat. You were Vietnam. But who were you with? In, uh, well, I mean, as a Navy, you know Navy, never again volunteer yourself. Yeah, you know something? So my grandfather was world was a uh, machinist mate in the Navy during World War II, and he used to always pick on me. He always used to say, "You know, you Marines look like real good bellies. You know, you get our blues." I'd be like, "Pop, I understand. You do realize I should just get you a gray cabby hat because all you were good for is taking us around places. Yeah. We used to pick on each other back yeah. and forth all the time." We say all that's it, 100%. So, 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 Mr. Fernandez, what years did you wrestle from? When to when? Oh, I started in the 70s. I started training with Murdoch in 78. I was uh, off season with the Chiefs. Okay. I'm a Marillo. Okay. And now you were su- that was Southern District or was that West Texas? That was West Texas. That was West Texas. Okay. And after a couple months there, that's how I got there. I guess I, I grew up before the David Graham. Dusty, that's when I met Dusty. Dusty Rhodes? Dusty Rhodes. That was the biggest mistake of my life. No. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, mean, I knew what Russell was all about all my life. And Russell Amateur, all my dad. Russell all my life. I already knew going into it. Uh, biggest glory I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. He looked like Oh God, Magnus! Yeah, I forgot all about him. Somebody said, Tell Rick Flair it's fake, you idiot. <laughs> I almost fell out of it. I was reading that line. Oh. I was sitting on my recliner. I like to jump up and fell out. <laughs> I, met Rick, I met Rick Flair one time. Uh, I was working for CSX at the time, the railroad, and he was at a bar. And when I first went to, to take a picture with him, he was like, he was like, I can't take a picture with you. I'm like, right? I was like, I just retired out of the Marine Corps. I'd like to take a picture with him. And he goes, okay, I'll take it that. But he didn't want nobody to know that he was hanging out at bars. Oh, he didn't want nobody to know it at the time. And he was nice to us about it, but he didn't want any anybody to know. So huh. that's that's weird. Because every time we went out to bars, he wanted everybody the whole world to know. Well, then he did the third. Yeah, 
he saw you as Mark. He treated you like exactly. You know, because when we were around Charlotte, we did the events called the same. You know, it'd be the first you know, there, you'd be, you know, sit down and two, three hours to drink, and pretty soon you got a short time around the angles, turn to the butt, everything else. We've had, we've had several fights about that. Even Wahoo McDaniels. Chief Wahoo. Chief Wahoo, yeah. Chief Wahoo, yeah. And just that, that, another, so you, I mean, Penny, you wrestled. Like, I mean, you're a legend. Let's call it what it is. You're like, look, you, you came up through, like you said, old school, old school, where you know, shoot the hell out of you, oh, right? There, you know, you there wasn't, you know, the camera didn't pan out to make it look like something wasn't happening. I was just talking with Ted about this cutting the promo wasn't the value, it was your time in the ring was the value. Time in the ring, what can you in the ring? And 20, 75, 25. 75% of that would be in the ring, and almost you know, 25 would be considered the promo, the good promo. Get the promos You've got to make sure what you're saying to convince them that you're not doing what you're Not that they say something. Now, I know that was regard for the product. That's a joke. And that's interesting because every time I talk to, to, to legends like yourself, I hear that. Like the product today. Is, is different. The product today is different. Is there anything though that you would say that you would give? Like maybe there was something today that you wish you would have had at your time that maybe have today you didn't have. Anything that you're like, ah, you know what? Ninety percent of it ain't for me, but that ten percent right there, I wouldn't have minded that. But ten percent of the guys that legit about it. That's about it. Outside of that, no, the guys that I know. Legit can represent themselves. They came down to, you know, some idiot at bar or some idiot somewhere. Really put, hand, put yeah. hands on somebody. Yeah, put hands on them. You know, just trying to put the business out. But 10% of that's real. Now. Guys that are around and they do that. You know, and, and think about that. You know, what's your feelings on for folks that maybe they want to get into the business? They're, they're thinking about it. They're watching these guys. They feel that they could do it. Is there. That's the problem. You're asking the question. That's the problem. Too many of these idiots in the world think they can do it. You get 110 pounds of belief, and he gets in the ring. He thinks he's Superman. He's up there keep bopping around, trying to take out a 300 pound guy, and that's the problem. That's the problem right there. And they make it look believable. Yeah, yeah. What's more you believe about that? Right. 110 pounds, you get. Unless you're Bruce Lee, you born like Bruce Lee. I mean, that's the problem right there. Right now, you're you're right. Too many people think you can be for us. I could do that. Yeah, you can do that because all these costumes flip and crop around like a bunch of ballerinas. You know, you watch them, you stop me thinking, watching the Olympics, and it's got Olympic teams. Well, I'm, 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 I, I, I barely watch anymore. I, I came I came up through watching, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, so I had that whole mid Atlantic piece and, 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 and seeing all those guys over there. But I, I absolutely understand what you're saying. It's, it's a different animal. Than, than what it used to be. Uh, what was your? I'm curious of this because because you love. It sounds like you were you were in that that Texas. So you had things like the, the Texas death matches and, and all those kind of things. What was? Did you like to do any of those like the cage match or any of that or was was that one of those things? Where you're like, I had cage matches every day. And I trained with Murdoch. He beat the hell out of me. <laughs> every time I tried to run, 
like that Mulligan the last time we took him back. And a human cage man, Terry Parker. Every time I thought I was getting something, they'd throw me back in there and keep me low. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, man, I mean, you know, I don't get impressed. I, I stay. I did the commercial last year. Yeah. I said, that's not my part of life. I don't have no money. I mean, I got black screen payment for you know, lifetime achievement awards or whatever. They wanted to say, oh, I have a whole thing like Chuck in the carpet. It doesn't mean nothing. It wouldn't mean Chuck to me in this business was the relationship that I made all the way. I'm I'm you guys have such a different respect. It really is like, you know, it, the respect you have for each other, the respect you have for the business, you can hear the difference than you know and I, I don't know if it was just because the, the era you know we didn't hear like oh such and such as kids being cut it's not alone no longer this one's cut to deal with this wrestling federation you don't hear that we never heard those words no, because they never shared the road back in the old days we were up and down the roads of cars they afforded a car they had their own car some happened on the road that took care of them. that's how you do it Somehow, somebody was struggling with the family, food up the table, and helped the guy out. Purity problem. It was a different, it's a different breed. Now it's all about your ego, the only thing. Loops you can do, you tell me who you can tell me. It's all about your ego, it's not about one another. In our profession, back in the day, it's about taking care of each other. It was a brotherhood. Brothers, we all share the same thing. That's what we call it. Listen, man, I'm getting chilled. I, I promise you. Like, I'm legit. Like, I'm feeling everything you're saying. Because, it, you know, it, to me, you know, as a prior service member yourself, that's that's who we were there. Right. You know, it doesn't that's, need to go to the old man. I got this. Yeah, that's right. And that's how I felt when I had my crew, my mentors, my and Terry, and Dennis Stamp, the old time. All those old guys, too. I love you No matter what I did, no matter what you did to me, I love you to I believe you. They believe in me. Just beat, just beat the hell out of you back then. That's it. And you had to beat the hell out of each other. We did it. Hey! Oh. Look at that. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, my God. Look at this. Look at this, folks. Bill, Bill Abner. He's got, he's got the same look, I, gotta, I hate to get this up, but I got to run. Yeah, no. Folks, make sure you come and see see uh, Kenny the Bull Fernandez. Thank, thank you. you, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Coming out and joining us here. We're, we're out live. Hey, here. Thank you, sir. I'll see you tonight. Coming out and seeing us at uh, the Desmond Hotel in, in Albany. Uh, plenty of legends around here hanging out, hanging out with us, uh, doing what we do. Make sure you, if you're in the Albany area, 10 to 1, this is where we, Dory Funk Jr. is here. Uh, Dan the Dan the Beast is to my my right. Uh, there he is. He's sneaking on over to us. Maybe we'll get I'm still on his right. Still right. on my right. Uh, we'll get it. Maybe we'll get time. We'll get him do an interview with us here. 
we've got all these different legends hanging out with us in Albany at the uh, Desmond Hotel. Booker T just showed up. He's off to the right. Dan Apple is uh, popping over. Uh, Scott Scott Nash, his son is here. He's a big boy, too. He definitely doesn't look like he's missed too many meals. Uh, there's just so many folks that uh, I can't even begin to explain to you who all is here. I'm going to try to – I might have to find myself an extra set of headphones so that uh, every, everybody can kind of hear each other and do their thing. Uh, where did Manny go? Manny! Hey, Ken. Manny! Oh, Manny left his uh, headphones as I'm yelling. Uh, so we'll have to take care of that. See if uh, I can get Ken to grab a hold of Manny. Hey, hey Ken. 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 Manny left. Manny left his earpiece. Hey, Seth. Thanks, Mr. Dan. I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, so there's so just so much history, and, and it's really. I'll tell you one of the things that I really find interesting is how many of these folks uh, from that era, from that 70s, 80s, uh, even 90s era, just their vibe to what wrestling is today is so different. Um, I wonder how many of the the more senior guys that have been around, what they would say. Uh, I think think we're about to get one of those legends is joining us now. Dan the Beast. You know, what's funny is Seth's popping his head over here. And I asked Seth earlier, I was like, well, who's going to be sitting in front of me? You know, he's, he's like putting tables in front of me, backing me off in this corner. And he wouldn't tell me who was going to be sitting in front of me. He was like, look, if you got a problem with the guy sitting in front of you, you can take it up with him. And then I realized who was, who was strutting on over here. You know, Dan the Beast. Dan And that's what I was about to say. So, so you were a collegiate wrestler. Yeah. And, and how far did your collegiate? Like, like you said, you started in seventh grade. Yeah. Um, well, this too. I have to say, really make my mark as a high school wrestler. But as a high school wrestler, early in, in my career, I'll just say, like, my ninth to tenth grade, I think it was myself, 
okay, a big senior soon, and then upon high school graduation, what am I going to do? Well, the normal thing people think about is like, well, I'm going to go to college, but I make myself, how am I going to put my board pay for college? Because I have seven other siblings. I was number two on the totem pole, second eldest male. And with my parents having eight children, you think there's going to be any money to be asked for? No. And it, it, that, that never even entered my mind to ask for that because they have eight mouths to feed, to clothe, the whole thing there. So how am I going to do this myself? And then uh, I, you know, I was involved in athletics. Uh, high school years, ninth grade, twelfth grade, it was like in fall football. And the wintertime was wrestling in the spring track and field, but then also I still, still wrestling. But by by my sophomore year in high school, I had some college coaches. They thought you know, I had an older brother. They thought that we were twins. And uh, uh, they, 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 they actually looked at both my brother and we were good work. And they were going to get a scholarship. So, and I was to I'm a creator of options. Nice. Opportunity like options. And that's what I, I, I did. I want to say. I'm going to look into this, this potential of doing this. So I dedicated a lot more time to my athletics where three days my high school season, I was usually picking up on an average of 50 matches. But then in the spring, summer, fall of, of freestyle record over wrestling, I pick up another 100 plus matches. And you were doing record Roman over matches. No, no, again, between freestyle. Oh, okay, between, between, between the two disciplines, because I, I also get to get beat about beat about the sport of wrestling. Sport of wrestling has given so much back to me, but I knew that the United States is the only country that does folk style. What we do in our junior high, our high school, and on a collegiate basis, we're the only country that does this style of wrestling. The rest of the world does either freestyle or record. So when the Olympic Games come around, it's freestyle record only. A lot of uh, athletes, they spend so much time in this folk style, and when their college career ends, their career is ended at, at, at 19 or 20 years of age, typically. And, uh, and then they're kind of lost because they, they're if they start to look to start a freestyle record career at that point, that they've lost so much time where you got Russia, China, all these other countries that they're doing freestyle record right from those Jumps. three, four years of age. They, they start right there, so they have such an, an advantage. It's hard for most Americans to place at a weight class, let alone win a Olympic gold medal. It, it's actually, it, it's, a, it's a quite a rarity when you take a place at Olympic gold medal in a sport of wrestling because of the deficit. Why? That makes a lot of sense. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about American Olympic gold medalists and how once that, that happens in that sport, they are really elevated because of that deficit. I know a few state champions between here and Connecticut and stuff like that. And it never dawned on me what you're saying. We don't do what, because you hear Greco Roman freestyle all the time on TV, but you don't think about that that's not what these kids are learning. I never. Yeah, no, I know. I, I've worked with uh, one reason I ended up going to Arizona State University was my senior I, I made it very well known to the, the college community, college coaches, community. And I will select the college that has the best of the world. I'm a good 
folk style wrestler, but I also want that opportunity for freestyle and wrestling. So I decided with Arizona State University, uh, I think you, you, you're allowed uh, at the time to maximum six recruiting sports at that time to uh, Iowa team or the top two, the two uh, Oklahoma team were in the very top. And of course, the Wisconsin and Arizona State were so my six different places up with two. And uh, I, I settled with Arizona State because uh, I had to mediate uh, a former Arizona State wrestler, alumni, who basically he, he started a program with that they started his wrestling program. And basically, I'm the, I'm the original Sunkiss kid. I bet you got the Sunkiss kid. Yeah, Sunkiss kid. Because he, he had, actually had, uh, he was involved in the citrus industry that supplied a lot of uh, oranges and grapefruits and that industry. Yeah. So, now, who then was it uh, that introduced you to professional wrestling? This, this, this. This well, shot. I was approached to the middle eighties. To the mid eighties as opposed by a couple different companies at the time. But had I turned pro, I would have lost the amateur wrestling status. As of the nineteen ninety-two Olympics, a new rule came down from the United States Olympics that allowed athletes to be both amateur and professional simultaneously. That's what we had. Our Olympic uh, dream team on the basketball team. We had all our, our NBA players are now able to, to play that. So as long as, as long as you weren't involved in high school or collegiate athletics, you were good to go. Well, my eligibility was, was well gone by that time. I was way you know, past my graduation stuff like that. So I was able to have my cake in 1992, I jumped into first the K uh, the professional wrestling first. I jumped into. Because the UFC did not exist yet. And then basically by 1994, officially December 93 was UFC 1 that took place. But uh, the internet was not as prevalent as it is today. We could not have had a podcast back in that, that those early 90s. The, the technology was not there. Now, today, it's incredible the thing that people oh, yeah. comfort love the internet. Oh, yeah. I was just talking to Joe. Uh, Joe's over there. And we were going, going through. Oh, there's Jeff Diskovich, my buddy Jeff. Um, and we were just talking about this. And this is broadcasting right now. We're on three different Facebook pages: LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. This is going everywhere. And then the audio of this will go onto every platform. Well, you get this. We look at the cell phone. Oh yeah. What was the cell phone back in, 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 in the, the early '90s, and what that cell phone is capable of doing today? It's incredible, you know. Yeah, it was just that. Remember the big box, the big black oh, phone. It, oh yeah. It looked like a walkie-talkie. Okay, it looked like you had to do a walkie-talkie. And uh, even, even the first car phone was actually attached to the car. It was. So. It, it was physically a car phone. Yes, I remember yeah, that. Oh, I comically. I have a trade facility in Hobart, Michigan, and I still have a waffle in the kitchen. 
No, it's connected to nothing. Oh, okay. okay. The but, but I will. I'll have some people in there sometimes, and I'll I'll take my cell phone and I'll, I'll set it up to ring. So it rings, and I, I go over to the wall phone, I pick it up, and I carry on this conversation, fictitious conversation, <laughs> and they look they're looking at me with amazement, like what is that device that's hanging on the wall there or something like that? Oh, that's so great! Yeah, I, know, I, I just have fun with it because it's kind of like then you have to kind of educate them prior to the cell phone. It was called a landline, and, uh, and, and even in the landline industry, it might have been a party line where you had to share with oh, half God. a dozen more people. I forgot all about party lines. Oh. Yes, God. I, I, I was telling someone the other day, I, I made a joke, and I felt like I was showing my age. I referred to a 976 number. Do you remember those? They were So those were big in the mid-Atlantic. They were before the... Uh, 1-800-CALL-ME, and all those. In the mid-Atlantic, uh, we had 976 numbers. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Baltimore, so you would see on late night on TV, it would be like, if you're lonely, dog 976, and that was the line. So we used to be used to joke about it. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So so you got, by the time you got into the pro circuit, and, and were allowed to be in the pro circuit, really there, the the uh, gosh, the territories were done. Yeah, I, I literally, I actually wish I had been in the board for the territory because I, I, I would have been a perfect fit for the territories. You know, just get for listeners that, that are listening. The territorial times were there were different companies that might have been on the east coast, different companies on the west coast, there's different organizations on, on the north and the south. Where at that point in time, when a professional student was having that loser leaves town match, they already had a contract signed with another territory. So they would lose it and then they, they, they would go on to that new territory and they'd be there for the next couple years. I mean, so you're, you're just like a, you're like a journeyman. Really, is what you're like. You're just a journeyman. You spent maybe two or three years and you just went to what condo or apartment or something like that where you're just living very. Much like a, a vagabond, you know, because because you didn't have very many possessions. Yeah, right, you, you were going to move. You, yeah. you were going to be on the road, and, and even on the road in, in your territory, you were probably hitting multiple cities. Yes, you were going all over the place. So, so even for myself, I still I still to this day I travel so much. Like I was every weekend, I go somewhere, and there's like even prior to coming to this, it was on a I'll say Wednesday. I got I got extra early on a Wednesday morning. Because I had a lot of people had to get done chores, just had to get done, and then I, I traveled. From, and I was on, on a, uh, a recreational uh, RV water, water from property. Have a nice and and how Michigan. Now again, people think it's an island in, in the truck. No, no, no. It's, a, it's a, an island in the state of Michigan. Okay, so it's an island in a frozen tundra, but it's still an island. Yeah, but the cool fact is, an island you actually have to take a boat to get to your oh, property. That's awesome. I never owned a boat before, other than a canoe. So I had a pontoon boat, uh, you know, and have this island property, and, and then the property is like just under one acre, but we're the only. Cottage on your property, and it, this is 
This is season number three of being on this island property and just making, making it ours. That's awesome. It is. I mean, literally, we're taking pictures of the show. Here's summer number one, we're looking like summer number two. And again, set up these projects where, like, it's great. Here's what is it now? Whatever you buy, you have to put on the on a pontoon boat break over. So, like, our new refrigerator. You want to know how heavy a new refrigerator is? And you have to pick up and put on a pontoon boat, take on over. Yeah. The side card and all these things, to and fro. And whatever you put on the island, where do you take the garbage out to? You have to put it back on the boat and, and drive back over to the mainland and put it in the garbage can to put it out on, on the curb. So on, on the mainland, I just, I just own a little easement of property. Just, so I, just I, not I, to get I, on it all. Parks there, where they got the garbage can at the end. But even I, I first acquired this property during the COVID period. So everyone's kind of at a distance. They're not going to go to It's easy to do negotiation because nobody's buying anything during the COVID. No one's going out. It didn't slow dance ever now. Dance ever was all over the place. Get to touch on that. They were, they were locking down state by state. They literally were staying out of the air. Don't try to go from Michigan to Indiana or Michigan to Ohio. We'll be having National Guard at the border. And literally, I spent part, part of my year in, in uh, OR, Michigan, my campus city, part of my year in Arizona. And so I've got, I've got to get on the road. I'm leaving the state of Michigan and I'm taking I'm going to find out pretty quick. Is the National Guard the National Guard at the border? But literally, as I'm on the road, and, and I don't care if I start to leave, I literally am the only The only car, the essentials were tractor trailer trucks. Diesel trucks are, are they're out there, but they might be at half hour before I come up to the next tractor truck. As I start to pass them, and literally, these drivers, they're looking down at me, they're giving me the thumbs up, they're tooting the horn because they're, they're seeing, they realize I am the only car that they have seen. But how quickly we, again, we live in the United States, and Americans, Americans are not the sharpest tool in the toolbox. Whatever the internet tells me, that's what I'm going to do. They're, 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 they're quick to forget about me. You, you, to me, you need to chalk that up back up in your mind because, again, I'm just talking about today's leadership, or what I call today's lack of leadership. We don't have real people standing up for the Constitution. And they, we're living in a very socialist country. Again, I, I don't mean to go I, I know what you're saying, but I understand what you're saying. So I'm just thinking about I'm, I'm a really blunt and honest person. I go say, if you want my opinion, you may, you may want to. Think before you ask. Think before you ask about that. I, I understand that. So now, but what was your first like pro match day? Like who? What? Oh, it was with, uh, I, 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 I did my trade with Al Snow, professional in Al Snow over in Lyme, Ohio. And for those who don't know, Al Snow is Al used to walk around with baby doll head. Yeah, not a baby doll head. Matt, 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 Matt. And, and oh, he had the greatest idea. You, you took the chant. Who wants head? You know, who wants head? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that was. Uh, it, that league was uh, the league that. Uh, oh, he was a part of the the job squad. Right. Thank you. Yeah, the job squad. Yeah. Again. Yes. 
Pitney Pavey. That, 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 he was, he, he, he actually had a t-shirt, job squad, you know, and on the back, Pitney Pavey. Uh, those guys were, I, I remember that. I remember those days. And again, uh, Al's got a great sense of humor for it. Just people just didn't realize what the sense of humor is. And he's still training. He's still training. Oh, yeah, he's still training. He's got, he's, he's got somehow he is still associated with the, with the Vince's organization and they got a feeder system. Okay. I think they ended up, uh, he and another partner too, ended up buying the old Ohio Ballet organization. Uh, and uh, that's what they, they run. Like the, the indie circuit out, out there. So now, I've had, just before you, you know, having Ted DiBiase on, Manny Fernandez on, who came up through that 70s, you know, the circuit that we were talking about. So their perspective on today's wrestlers was really that old school, we're going to beat the hell out of you until, you until you figured out how to do this, and we'll beat the hell out of you a little bit more. You came in at kind of the birth of today's cut a promo, you know, be able to put, you know, everything is a high spot. Everything is kind of, you know, I mentioned to him, like, I remember when you bought to see two superstars in the ring was a big deal during a match. But you came in during that era that it was a little different. Yeah. Almost every match was a superstar. Was a superstar. I agree. If I just go home to that, it was not my forte. I always tell people that I'm not going to sit out there and go, look at me, look at me. I'm going to flex it, flex it, flex it, show you how powerful I am. I'm going to, to talk you to death. No, I always said that. The marquee says professional wrestling. I'm going to give you wrestling. I'm going to. My actions are going to do speak to the volume for me. So you, still, so you still value, so you were still valuing that skill set, that I, foundational I skill set. Even though I, I started in a time period where you, you hit a spot on, I was a throwback for days on my eye. Even when people saw me walk up in the Open Party Championship, walk up in professional season, they looked at me, looked at me as a throwback. From that, because I did nothing sparkly or flashy about me, and I'm not gonna cut the promos up. And I'm gonna come out there, and I'm gonna take the part the camera. And, and that was gonna be my next question: is, is many wrestlers that, that I've met over the, over the year, a lot of were um, they they just they did the professional wrestling. Maybe they did a year of high school wrestling, and you know, learned that learned the difference there. With your foundation, was it ever a challenge? Dealing with folks that didn't know real, you know, and I, I hate to use that term, real wrestling, that didn't know the amateur circuit, let me correct myself, that weren't from that amateur circuit of wrestling, weren't from that high school or college. Was that a challenge dealing with those guys? And the other side is, did you ever use that to kind of, uh, and I'm forgetting the term right now, if a guy didn't know how to put, didn't know how to put it on the right way, did you ever have to, you know, add a little shoot to that? You know, use that to your advantage. I'll say that uh, I, I've only ever really ever been challenged once or twice before I still try to challenge me to turn to turn the fantasy world into reality. And I felt like it one time that, that, that the most vivid point, I felt the four bomb from the hell. He basically started to stretch me and get picked down the road up and I'm thinking myself. I, I won't say some of the same words that, that I, I thought myself. Well, we're on a podcast, so we can say whatever we need. Literally, I grabbed 
and you see them like I grab them around the waist and then and I bring them up in here. I I I get adrenaline in and and the shooter might kick in. I grab him with his and literally as I brought him up, literally as I brought him up, I released him. Simply just and, and he still extended so upwards. And I and I grab him and I bring him out down and I basically put him probably halfway through the floor. The match, the, the, the match ended right then and there because it was like I heard about I knocked the wind out of me so bad. Then I think it was so I, I was probably um, people when I worked with the best. I just stayed to myself. I learned too quick, like within the first one or two hotel stays, they they said they had my hotel and I'm seeing all the rest. I've seen what, what's taking place. I've seen what's created in the hotel lobby. I, I don't want any distractions. I don't want any information. I don't want this stuff. Once I find out what they're saying, I stay somewhere else. Oh, really? I stayed by myself. I drove in by myself. Did you, did you have to like book that yourself, or was it like they knew like hey, Dan's going to want something? So, well, no, I mean, the nice part about what, uh, what they did is like all I do is call travel. Uh, and I can come in. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're paying my transportation, they're taking care of my hotel, so but I'll, I'll get something that, that's a problem in mind, something like that, no problem. Uh, so, I got to get my hotel, it always be somewhere away from, from, from them. But near enough to the reader that I'm good to go, always got to have Wi Fi because I got to set up my laptop, I got to be working things of that nature. So, I, I, had, I drove myself, stayed by myself, but. In the same 24 hours, I could, I could, that, that these guys are, are working and they're doing one thing. I will fly in further that day. I may go and do a speaking engagement at a local high school or oh, nice. high. I may do something in the early, in, 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 uh, usually by the early afternoon, they want you recording to the arena. That was taken away from me. Wait, I, I kept thinking, why do I need to this so early? And the show didn't go on to like 7, 8 o'clock. So, how early were you getting? They wanted to be there like one o'clock. Oh, wow. So I found out later on why it was the biggest babysitting job in the world because you had a lot of these professional wrestlers that were. Not, not very accountable for their time. They may show up. I love the way you're putting it. I, 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 this, I'm using some big words that a lot of professors may not know how to use, but that's my, this my is education background. This is the best way of placing this to where people, instead of being like they were jackasses who couldn't show up when they needed to, they just weren't accountable for their time. They really didn't understand you know, place and time and the right element. I love it. And, and, and pretty quickly, they had a couple of different agents there working there like that. To be there, to be there with that does not Because they, they know that they don't have to worry showing up and being ready to go. I, I literally was the only guy that would ever. Oh, like legitimately get out there and stretch. When the ring would get set up, I would actually go and walk up in the ring. I do a stretch routine 
and all that does, especially when I was on the independent seat, I'd always have to throw my You guys care. I just go to the ring ahead of time and just warm, warm up. There's no, in my locker room, there's no, there's no place to warm up to. I'll just go to the mat, stuff like that. The ring is all sensitive. And then I go, but in a room with a head, I just put a seat, especially on the smaller, the ass circuit. I just went up and people are coming in because uh, usually an hour before, those are brought up. Most of the restaurants only get there about an hour before. And like, okay, I'm arriving there, I get dressed, I know, I go into the ring, and, and all the they, they watch all the things that are in there. And literally, they'll come in, and then when I built, took my one little stretch, so they, they literally applaud. It's like, you're like, going, in their mind, I made the industry, look at like, oh, all these guys must be doing this. Right, stuff. this must be everybody's yeah. routine. We just happened to get lucky, we caught this guy. So now you also fought UFC. Yeah, I'm with this. I'm doing a, a press wrestling career and a mixed martial arts career. Or actually, I should say NHB, because again, the predecessor to all of the NHB, no, no whole bar. Yeah. And I, re- I remember those. That was back when a guy my size would fight a guy your size and then get done with you and have to fight a guy his size. And I, I still sidebar one of the, my most memorable matches was there was this guy he was a big black guy like for willem or uh what was his Andy name that was him yeah. and there was just over 400 pounds yes. i know the best because i i, I know keep asking quite well i bet that was uh uh Soldiers, stuff like that, talking, but I always say that he's had the because how can you stand across the cage and, and, and how getting you chills again? Give, give it up 400 pounds of size and look that big man ass. Like, I mean, that was that was the true immovable object yeah. of unstoppable force. Like, that was the little real one. I tell people that that key can get. And he had a couple of long shots to the head, drops him, and then the big man just can't stand up. Right. So as he's trying to, he's got to position up three, three or four points in order to get, get him to come back to the feet. Keith Hackney hit Andy Arbor another 70 or 80 times before. And, and Big John McCarthy's just thinking the big man can't get up. And Keith Hackney just hit him in that head. I think. And, and Big John by stop the match. He wins the match, but he can't go on because he broke his hand because of bare knuckle. And he, and I said, he hit Manny about 70, 80 or more times in the spot. It was incredible. So, was so you're in that, and again, you're in that early era of, of this. And, and let me know if you, uh, Dan, if you need to get back for autographs or anything, please. Um, but you're in that early era of no holds barred, which will eventually become UFC and, and Dana White and all those elements. Do you think, because I, I have a personal thought on this, I like the fact that it's it's sanctioned, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like it lost, to me, the luster of seeing a match like that. Of seeing those things. The freak show. Part of the freak show. Yeah, part of the freak show. Remember Tough Man? Yeah. We used to go to the National Guard Arena to watch Tough Man. My, my, my first match ever. Was a Tough Man. Yeah, I, I remember going to Tough Man in Jacksonville, North Carolina, where I was stationed at Camp Lejeune, and watching some guy that had like four teeth, two of them in his pocket, fight this kid was a, who was a brain who like came out. He was all flashy. He had his like his sweat track suit on and everything. 
and this good old boy beat him like he owed him money, and like, and I was like, you, you, you might have wanted this. And this, and he had like the flash went and had like all his bodies up there. And this, this good old boy just showed up and like, come on, I'm gonna beat the hell out. So I mean, it was just. Listeners that don't know what Tough Man does, Tough Man was basically a boxing event that had two weight classes, 190 and under, and anything over. That was the two weight classes. What was it? Get, get out. Art Door was the creator of Tough Man. Okay. He's actually a bottom of Michigan. I got to know this guy because he looked like he was Bad Jack. Oh, really? Had, he had the slim neck hair, had the beard, and uh, I think I'm showing my age because I know who Bad oh, Jack yeah, is. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fun. Uh, other people that had to Google that name. But uh, I remember my first time, I, I had never put out a boxing glove at, at this time. But, you know, the backstory was I needed a thousand dollars. That was it. Needed to have. I, I, I needed money. And I jumped into this tough net contest. And it's a, it's a two day event, Friday night and Saturday You do one match on a Friday night and you have to get it on Saturday night. Okay. So I'm in the 190 and plus weight category. So I'm going to get this 300 plus pounder. And he's got the he's got the boxy shorts on. He's got oh, the he's right. He's, he's got the, the gloves and all that. Here I am. My hair was much darker at that point. Yeah. You know, and uh, you and the, you're, and the, you're well. And, and the mustache was was all dark at, at that point. I don't even know how to hold my hand. I look like probably like John L. Sullivan out there right now holding my hand in position. And when that referee, I had always started my professional training. This all happened around this 1992 fight train. This is whole story of how I got into bound and I, the future starts. Because I used to tell people, as I'd be traveling in an airplane, so my dad what big, bigger, bigger statues stuff like that. And people like, are you happy? And I'm like, yeah, I think what do you need a passion Like, break. What great tell is that? I go, I beat people up and I take it. I look right up and I go, they don't even have a guy contact with me anymore. Like, who this? Can I have another seat here, please? Don't go, he's going to be on that chair. Whatever. But no, I just. But I'm also a bit of a big proponent of uh, psychological aspects. I I'd have probably been like, that's cool, man. It was nice talking to you. Have a wonderful day. And I'd have disappeared also. Because you are no small small man. And I, I remember Dan Severance and Dan the Beast Severance in wrestling matches back in the day. And, you know, you have, I'm going to tell you, you grade well. Most of us, we get the, sh- the shitty little gray and extra gray. You've got the silver fox. But Really? So I all those three pictures back then, that was all Chester Man number 45. <laughs> you got the number down. You got the number down, everything worked well, out. And now we have a ball one color. So that's why continuity, I always tell people. And all the different pictures that they took, I go, because the first time I, I appeared at a event all right. Okay, at first it's first our whole cobra trade picture with the barbershop with my dad. So so literally 
when I bought, bought the Island property, I looked up to the wild man from Borneo. I got this almost like this afro on me, all this big mop of hair. I got a big old bushy beard, stuff like that. People were like, some old cottage just bought that island out, out there, you know? But, 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 but I amazed it because, like, bringing topsoil. I would have a, I would have a dump truck back up to my eastbound property of 10 yards. A lot of people don't know what 10 yards are. 10 yards is the biggest dump truck possible. Dumping on to my easement because my easement is only 10 feet wide by about you know, 100 some odd feet long. And then you got to drop it here because it's got to stay on my property. And Shaking it down, rolling it back. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and, and my neighbors, they're like, why should I go? That's going to take you months. And then three, four days later, the guy was going, they're like, well, how are you? How are you? Because it would see me take a trip. I, I owe 30 orange buckets from <laughs> the Home Depot, five gallon buckets. Exactly. I owe 30 of them. And that's what you were doing. So you were filling 30 orange. On, on the land, I'm shoveling dirt and filling up buckets, stacking them on a, oh uh, on a dolly. Three high and bring them onto my pontoon. I know I, I had to have neighbors watch for probably betting each other. He's going to sink that pontoon because I would set pretty down low in the water. And there were sometimes I was like, I, I may sink this puppy take across it. But they were shocked at the sea within three, four days. The like you have, you have some garden out there. I'm a bit, I love the garden. But there's, there's a lot of low spots. Oh, okay. In the, and, and I try to smooth out the low spots, but then also put in flower beds, things of that nature, to where strategically, strategically just for beautification, but also people realize every time I move by the waves that handle the erosion. Taking place, so I mean, even the, the movie that rocks. Well, maybe if my wife's listening, my wife listens to my podcast, and she's my biggest fan. Uh, it'll be a weird thing to travel with, but I'll have her bring, bring some of our garlic with us, some of the seed garlic. Uh, I grow about a hundred balls of garlic here. No, I mean, garlic. I've just always, I've always enjoyed it, and um, it's a unique thing to grow. So when you grow garlic, you plant it. At Halloween, and then okay. you harvest it at Fourth of July, and wow. the, the winter so it's a fall. It's a fall thing that you can do. And folks like you and I, who live in colder climates, we can grow what's called hardening garlic. So when you put it in the ground, nothing the gar- gardening garlic. Uh, when you put it in the ground, you go about a thumbs down, down uh, twenty side up, drop it in, cover it, and when you harvest it, you actually get two harvests out of it. So when you plant it, it'll it'll come up with a, what they call a skate. And it comes up in a pigtail. And you cut that pigtail skate off. And now you can use that for the same way you would use a uh, like a like an onion. It's got a very oniony flavor to it. You chop it up like you would a green onion. You can use it for that. And then you can harvest the bulb and you pull it out, you let it dry for Cut the roots off, dry it for two weeks, and then you have your garlic. But you, what you would really notice is so different. And when you buy garlic at the grocery store and you have it, your hands might smell garlicky, messing with it. From this stuff, when you use it, your fingers will stick together. 
because it's so oily and when it's natural real garlic and it's so oily but the other side to it is, is that one seed of garlic when it grows it'll grow you five or six more seeds well now if you're good about what you're doing and you you now have six balls that you get. And it can all start off with that one. Just like when you're talking about the full circle right back to it. When you talk about all the people you've influenced, all the different careers that you've been involved in, they can all bring that back to Dan Severance, influencing them and what they've done. Well, we do that at garlic is the same way, that one ball. I'm probably, I still, many of the bulbs of garlic I have probably all still come back the original that original harvest we we grow what's called music uh and it's a hard neck purple garlic called music and it's got purple veins in it it's got a little it's got a nice little spice to it i get into this whole question i, I do like garlic this quality garlic garlic and the two things that i eat all the time is get from the other thing but yeah so i mean also works on vampires back here so it does that it's just if you eat enough of if you eat enough of it nobody wants to talk to you because you start coming from you know a guy with a very uh, irish name coming from an italian household uh, I know what it means to eat too much garlic, and then you sweat, and you sweat the garlic. It comes, comes sweating out of you. You can, you can do that. So after today, what are some of the next places that we can, we can see you? Well, again, it's, it's, if you want to go to my website, dan7.com, that's, that's my, my, my Facebook website. I have all my social media, so I post it on there. I run a podcast that was not by Civic Hall, Toxic Masculinity. Because the worst person to be in the world today is an older white man that has a job that still identifies as being a man. It's kind of going, uh, in today's crazy world, people, my legal name is Daniel. Uh, uh, so I tell people that in today's crazy world, I can wake up tomorrow morning and I can identify as being Danielle. Look, two people with ribbons in my hair, and now I want to start my 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 female uh, case fighting career, and I think I could do well. You, you know, absolutely, you you could. I mean, there. I mean, it's definitely. Well, talking to some of the seats guys around here, they would say that the new wrestlers identify as pro wrestlers. After talking, after talking to uh, Manny and, and Ted, I would say uh, they might tell me, yeah, you know, these guys they they identify. As pro wrestlers, but they ain't pro wrestlers. Oh, no, it's uh, I didn't mean to make you speechless there, bro. No, 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 we're, we're in, a, in this world that we're in now. There's a very colorful, eclectic uh, gathering. Absolutely. And uh, it's uh, it, 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 basically, there's, there's before I ever got involved in professional wrestling. I went through a few shows and I watched the audience. Because in reality, the audience is much. Yes. Are folks with mental, mental health issues, children, and 
things that they want to get. It's good that they did this stuff with the children. It's definitely the, the introverted. The, the audience is more usually more introverted, more of that. You know, that's Dave across the way, who was the ref that you called him Dave. Uh, he's, he's told me stories where, like, he ref matches where he had to be taken out, like, protected to get out of the building because the audience at that time. It wasn't the Vince McMahon sports entertainment. It was pro wrestling. And he's like, people didn't realize that we had this conversation. We booked this whole thing before we got in there. And they thought it was a real deal. And it was legit. You know, every, the, the out, they didn't realize the outcome had already been determined. And that's what I mean when I say real deal and legit. They didn't realize the outcome had been determined. And he's like, I'm getting dealt with. People are trying to get my ass. I'm going to give you this. This Hundred percent. I don't understand why people don't get that. You usually like I go out there and do a lot of appearances. I'll bring out two belts. I'll bring out a UFC belt with the NWA belt, the NWA championship belt, and the wrestling title belt. But it's the first belt I ever had. Okay. And then again, the NWA and you say shooter background, and I know I've mentioned this a couple times, I probably should elaborate. When you hear us talk about shoot wrestling, this is they're in the ring, but they're really tweaking that arm. They're really putting a little elbow grease in there so that the audience sees what's going on. If they, if the two guys in there don't understand real shoot, that's where guys get hurt. That's where folks get hurt. People, two real shoot wrestlers who really understand that, that is a beautiful dance that there is not much you can compare it to. A lot of guys that, that I actually have done professional wrestling matches, they kind of refer to dance up with a bit of a I'm very snug in how I did it. Very, you know, I'm very snug. I do. You know, it's a little tight. I mean, that was your background. It came from that world. I understand what this is for. I said, I go, you, if I'm doing a move to you, you will never be safer than if you were in hell in your father's arms. But knowing though, if you, if you cross me, I'll take your life. I'm just curious with that is, was there ever somebody you wrestled where you felt like, or you always hear stories that, uh, that Andre the Giant, you had to really keep him happy almost because if he was upset with you, 
teaching. I, I never, I never heard I heard all kinds of great stories about my dad and different referees since my dad that worked with different great deals, Hendler Chandler. But I mean, yeah. Is there anybody in your in your era where you felt like, hey, you know, me and you, we can really hurt each other. We need to be careful in here and stay, stay even keel. I got hurt my own heart. Oh, really? And it was with, with own heart and it inverted tombstone right there. He screwed up. I took full impact. So, yeah, I mean, the same thing happened to Steve Austin right there that required Steve to have surgery. So, it basically, he did his career. Well, the same thing happened to me. I mean, it was, it was first set up to be. An injury angle in a match, right? And, and, and the whole aspect of uh, being taken out of the ring on the backboard, next place was always on his feet, land in this position. But she literally did, he screwed up, he, he did it wrong, he, he went down to his belt, he should have uh, went down to his knees, and uh, again, he, but, but he violated the number one rule of professionalism you take care of me, and I take care of you. No one should actually truly get hurt. Now you made it that say over there. There are there are people that their their chemistry just they just don't get along. And so when they when they go hit hit a chop oh they're gonna they're gonna lay a chop in and you're being up because you get in here a big old paw right there and they go yeah that probably hurt a little more than what you're going to make it there. But um, I have no beef for like that. Okay, so I'm just curious if there was anybody that like. Like I said, you know, you always heard those stories that, like, hey, look, when these two guys got in the ring, that shit was legit. They didn't like it. They were trying well, to. I, well, I, I did see a different kind of people get screwed up. And the hard part is that uh, I look this way. If you screw up, you get hurt. That's okay. That's on you. Right. That was your fault. But if you screw up and I get hurt, uh, that, that's, that's not different. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. That is so wild. So, again, any other. Any other upcoming events? Any other uh, any other things that are coming along that we we should be expecting in places? Yeah, where I don't know. I mean, it's, I, 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 literally every weekend I do something, something. and uh, I live a, a very cool lifestyle because you know, like the last three years I live part time in Arizona, part time in Michigan. I'm a born and raised Michigan, but I will be in Michigan now. Like the last three years, I spent I'm here for spring, summer, fall, and then as I start to see. Getting colder, and I start to snow forming in the sky. It's time to head to the, the, the land of the sun, Arizona. I don't, you don't blame me. So you're a sunbird. Yeah, snowbird. Or snowbird. That's a yeah. snowbird. Snowbird is what falls. I, 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 I have driven up and down the road, and I've been driving on that black ice. I've been uh, there. Have been times when I'm the only one on the road. It's such a bad storm. There was. I'm going to. I'm trying to think. This is great term. Do a couple of precious gigs and do a few other seminars on that. I was back in like New Jersey at the time, and literally like, on the radio stuff, I come across saying that all vehicles must get off the road. And here you are. Only separate vehicles. And I'm driving that road, and literally there's cops that are in, and there's vehicles that are literally stopped in the middle of the, of the freeway because they, they, can't, they can't they can't get the traction or they're stuck in the middle of the freeway. And then the uh, it was, I, I'm trying to I get out of Dodge, I tried to stay ahead of it. You know, I even tried to, I pulled into a couple of hotels, but because they're telling you, you know, there's nobody at the hotel. 
can't, you can't get a room because all the hotel I did one where I, I actually did have a room. I got into a hotel room. And then the moment that said all clear, I literally like the first car to get out. Took the snowball heading down the road. I simply knew that I'm in the center of this freeway. And based on the divot over here, there's a ditch. And the divot over here, there's a Keep it in the center. And just drive down the road. <laughs> Knowing that, hopefully it doesn't run across the front because there is going to be no breaking. Yeah, there's no breaking. I'll throw it in the skin. I'll be out there somewhere. I know exactly what you mean. So we've got the podcast, Toxic Masculinity. Uh, Dancefer.com. How often does the podcast run? How often do you do your podcast? Okay. So we've got that and then you're doing every weekend if they just go on to danceefferences.com. They can find where you're at, what you got going on, what events you got. Yeah, that Facebook page is probably the most prevalent right there. I on the more I, I do more interaction with fans and things of nature. Um, but I can't, can I keep up with it? No, I can't keep up with it. And, and I, see yeah, I think you're getting ready to get somebody coming. Dan, I, are you going to be at dinner tonight? Oh, yeah. Then, then, and I'll see you at dinner. I'll see you at dinner tonight. It's called Help Peace with the Beast. We're going to peace with the Beast tonight. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your time. Thank you for spending so much time with us. Pleasure to be here. We'll talk soon. Alrighty, folks. If you're, if you're still hanging out with us, make sure you, you get your questions in with us. You can see some of our past guests out here. We got Mike Falvo, uh, the voice of Albany Sports. Uh, I just saw Anthony Dippo uh, just a moment ago. Anthony's out, out here. Anthony uh, just had his first man. match. He is one of the clients for our great friend Jeff Skovich. Uh, I don't see where Jeff is wandering around here uh, right now, but uh, he was actually exonerated by Jeff. I think what I think we're going to get going on here, uh, I'm going to have to get some autographs on some of our posters. If you're in the Albany area this week, make sure you stop by uh, right now from 10 to 1. we got about another hour to go here. Got about another hour to go here. We're at the Desmonds. Please come by, see us, uh, make this happen. Maybe I get uh, Ken to hook, hook me up here. Booker uh, T was on. Yeah, Booker T is uh, Ken. T's on my right. Maybe I get to meet him tonight. Uh, maybe I get Ken to, to hook me up here. I know Ken's, Ken's doing the uh, helping out, making sure everybody gets their autographs. Uh, getting everybody situated. See if I get Anthony to pay attention here. He's not paying attention. Here's Jeff. Jeff. Jeffrey. Let's see if I. I have to just touch it. We'll get Jeff to, to pop one over for a moment. Uh, I got to thank my, my wife first and foremost. She got all this to help me get all my gear set up, get me situated because without her this morning, we wouldn't have got this to happen. Uh, and I got to say, thank Seth for putting this all on his mic. Lutuna, I can't say enough about this event. This is the second year for it. Bigger this year than last year. It's a great, amazing name that has come out and uh, joined us. Again, if you're in the Albany area, come out to the desert. It's a nice uh, It's just so well put together. It's beautiful. Uh, let's see here. He's not paying attention. 
just send uh, send Jeff a message. He can't hear me for some reason. As loud as my voice is, it's not carrying. Folks that know me, my voice carries. So we're just hanging out. If you got any questions, one of any wrestlers you'd like to see who's in here. Um, this will tell you, you know, we're starting to get some folks popping in here. I know uh, we've got dinner tonight. That's going to be a blast. So if you're in the area, make sure you come by. Who else we got? Oh, uh, Terry Funk is getting into the Hall of Fame tonight by Ted just think about that statement. You are a wrestling fan. You enjoy wrestling. But you just think about that statement in and of itself. That Terry Funk going into the Hall of Fame of professional wrestling being conducted by Ted DiBiase. But I'm sitting next to Dan McGee Cypress, next to Manny the Bull. Who's sitting next to Luke of the Bushwhackers, next to Scott Nash, uh, uh, or Steve Nash, uh, Nash's son, while Booker T is in the corner. I don't know where she's at. Susan Sexton's around here somewhere. I saw her earlier. I mean, the funks are here in the house. This is just one of the. One of those kind of things where it's, it's hard to put it into perspective. Anthony! Anthony! Dippo! Anthony! Anthony Dippo! I can't get Anthony's Turn the mic back on here. Let's see if I keep waving my arms for Anthony to finally pick his head up. Anthony, you gotta love it. You get the gentleman in the green shirt and the gentleman in the blue shirt. Anthony Dippo, Jeff Scott. See, damn, damn people taking good care of this. Look at look at the big man finally coming over. We're going to make him sit down. We're going to make him put the headphones on. We're make, look, you can't have your first professional wrestling match and not have, have an opportunity. Hey, sweetheart, how are you? Okay. You're good? No, you're good. You're just on camera now. You were just on camera. Well, it's too late. It's already happened. It's already, put it on. Joining us, you got to get up on that mic here. Look, having his first professional wrestling match yesterday at the Water Belief Dome. He was in the ring harassed. I saw the video put out by Jeff Scoville being harassed by Seth. But I'm going to tell you right now, the first thing I, I noticed as I get ready to introduce you to the big man, his first match, we got with us, Mr. Look, you need this. You need this. Mr. Anthony Dippo. So what's up, brother? Back in Albany. I'm just so excited uh, tonight. Um, I received the uh, Excelsior Award. Uh, what is that? Uh, 22. 
It's for a non-professional wrestler, which I'm a wrestler, I'm gonna be a wrestler, not professional. But um for a non-professional wrestler who somehow advanced the wrestling movement, the wrestling uh, culture, the wrestling industry. And, and you look like you look pretty good out there. And I gotta tell you, you know the first thing I noticed was that that none of them big old boys were bigger than you. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty big. You, you, Anthony was holding, holding size-wise with some of the big of them. If you've never met Seth, Seth is probably about six five, six six. How big are you, Anthony? Six six. So uh, he he was holding them. And, and look, his manager, his manager Jeff Diskovich is coming over. Maybe Jeff will cut a promo with us here in a little bit. He's yeah. he's got his manager with him, and, 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 and the lovely ringside girl that he brought. So so what was it like, brother? I mean, you got to fulfill a lifelong dream. Of being in the ring, being in that squared circle with you know other wrestlers, people who do this on a regular cultural. I mean, I did. I mean, I've been watching it for forty years. Um, I did twenty years locally convicted while I was in prison. Um, wrestling was one of the things that I had. You know, I, I had to hold on to for every week that kept me going. It gave me something to look forward to. And right now, um, we're going to cut a picture for Jeff. I have just such a high honor of um, now being able to be involved with this. Um, this is my second show. I have uh, Wrestling Apprentices, which is um, designed to help create awareness and hopefully raise money for the world to be uh, so far, I've gotten to work with uh, Booker T, as you seen yesterday. Yeah, I saw Booker T. I actually got to walk in the ring with him. Um, prior to that, we helped the guy out of jail, out of jail um, with Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and J.K. I'm getting chills. Like, today, something about today, just being in this environment, talking to you right now, it really is like getting chills. I mean, you were in there with legend. You were in there with legends, brother. Two, two Hall of Famers. I mean, and, and the real legends in my mind were the exonerees who I got to stand in the ring with at the end of the match. That almost 80 years. There was another exoneree that, didn't, um, that had to leave was Marty, Marty Tankler, who I did 18. Um, and and yeah, I want to see to think about that number for a second. You did 20. That guy did 18. Jeff, you did 16. We're not talking folks that got wrongfully convicted did a week and somebody said oh my bad my bad let, let that guy out we, we screwed this up we're talking decades we're talking lifetimes and yet you come out and both of you i know jeff jeff i'll get you on jeff you've been on with us before don't come out with an asshole's attitude how do you pull that? That that in and of itself, to me, makes you it, on, on a legendary status on your own. You got to understand that I know guys that have a bad day and blame the world. You come up, guys, are are doing things and say, "Not again! Not again! Will this happen?" How do you do that? I think when you lose enough time, you don't, you don't really have time. To, you know, be angry. You know, you don't have time to regret or resent. You just, you just gotta keep moving forward, and you gotta make the most of what you got. And when you lost so much, you have such a higher level of gratitude. Um, 
I'm just thankful every day, and every day I find gratitude, even on my worst days. And I had some bad days, like I'm like everybody else. Oh. But you know, when you have such everything taken from you, and you're put in a cage, and you know, you can't pick what you want to eat, you can't go to the bathroom you want to go to, you can't watch what you want to watch on TV. Then when you come out and you get all those things back, um, it's just there's there's no words. It's just such such um, pleasure. It's just such um, just being so thankful. I'm, I'm really thankful. Like I'm, I'm angry what they did to me, but at but the that's same different. time, yeah. But I I I do things to kind of like uh, heal myself. Like you know, there's a lot of trauma involved in addiction, and any person that's been in prison, it's embedded in our in our, in our nervous system, and so you know. We find these things. Some things are scarier than others. Like coming out with a Booker T, um, my and my my nervous system was scary. Oh, I can't imagine. I did it, did it, and I'm gonna keep moving forward. Like like Jeff, um, Jeff is huge in uh, helping other people. He's, he's gotten a level. Do you think we can get him? What do you think? I think he could put. We talked about it. We I talked think, about it. I'm 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 saying like uh, Bobby the Brain. Oh, sure. Or a. Uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, God, uh, I can't think of his name. Captain Lou. Captain Lou Albano. I guess that kind of. We gotta get him to grow a beard, though. Do you think? Do you think we can get staples into his face for the rubber bands? I don't know. I, I don't think good. so. I think those were safety things. He was my neighbor when I grew up. Really, yeah. Captain Lou? Yeah. Actually, his daughter and Lou was witnessing my case because we were talking about that. Well, I, I actually, it's funny uh, talking about all those. I met. Uh, oh, what the heck was his name? Uh, can't think of his name right now. Uh, guitar. Honky Tonk Man. But who was his manager? Part. Uh, Jimmy Part. Jimmy Mouth the South. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy the Mouth the South. Part. See, now I can see him doing that. Look, look at the smile on Jeff's face. He's like, yeah. yeah it's a funny cool. story about uh, Jimmy Hart. Was, was, I was with Jeff. Uh, one of my very first meet and greets, he came with me, and it was in Staten Island. And so Jimmy, he has this megaphone yes. where he yells into the ring, you know, and stuff. So, you know, he, Jimmy takes the picture with the megaphone. And so we're all standing there, Nate's there, I'm there, Jeff's there. And Jeff picks the megaphone up towards his face, and Jimmy's kind of slaps it down. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, yeah. and, and that was the other side, is, is you you are making the most of this. Every time I see you on Facebook, you're traveling somewhere, you're seeing something. You're, you're taking the time to explore this and what you were giving back, even though it was taken from you, but to give back what it was taken from you. Well, there, there's two parts to that. So first, Facebook only. I only put up like good moments. You know, I'm not going to put up if I'm having a bad day. And the second part to that is, I'm one of the very fortunate few. Like maybe there's 25 percent of us that actually get fairly compensated. Well, that's and a whole other thing. Maybe another 10 percent that get a little bit of compensation. I'm able to do it. I manage my money well. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm slowing down a little bit now after traveling yeah. for five years. But, yeah, um, I mean, we, got, we all got to slow down a little bit. But I mean, I mean, I introduced this guy, Mike Latuna. Uh, Mike Latuna? Yeah, you know Mike. Mike Latuna. Uh, Latuna. Latuna, whatever. He manages my money. I don't know. I call him. You don't even know the name of your money manager? Look, I know how to get him on the phone. <laughs> I, I, I always call it Latuna. 
So, so what's the next match? What are we, what's our next match? So I have a date in Richfield Park, New Jersey, on September fourth, um, where I'm going to come out and I'm going to have um, a speaking part, cut a promo, managerial role. Okay, things might happen next week. Now, um, what do, now what circuit is that? What indie circuit is that? That's going to be for uh, pro wrestling magic. Pro wrestling magic. Okay. And then um, I begin actually training in the ring. Um, next week, and um, we're also filming the docu series simultaneously. And so, the docu series, um, which I'm going to say about, um, is going to um, be there for my first training. So, and it's going to be good, it's going to be a really, really uh, powerful docu series. I got really great um, directors, Nancy Schwartzman and Trish Gillespie. And so, like, we're, we're just um, trying to you know, put the story out there in the greatest light possible. I'm glad that you realized that wasn't going to let you get away with not sitting in front of that microphone. I know. I thought you wanted to say hi. I was oh, no. on that side. Oh, no, no. I wasn't going to let you get away. I told you when we had dinner that I was going to get you on that button. I, 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 I promise you. And, 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 and now we've been I haven't back. talked. I haven't, I haven't broken my, any of my contractors. I haven't spoken actually about weeks. So and this is about wrestling. This, this and that's what I want to know about. And, life and, that, and that's it. The, the rest of the stuff, you know what? It'll, your story will come out. Everybody will know what the truth we and, I, and, and we will. And I want the directors on it. That's how Jeff and I met. I always said Jaya. He says Jaya. I don't know. If you haven't figured it out, I butchered names. I sat here for 10 minutes making sure I spelled DiBiase before Mr. Ted got on. I was like, you know, my computer kept telling me I was spelling it wrong. I had to Google this stuff. Oh, that's DiBiase. My computer kept telling me I was spelling DiBiase so, we got some matches coming up. We got a movie coming out. That's what that's next for the red carpet. I mean, we're gonna have can we come up with a wrestling name yet? Do we have a name yet? Me, you're just coming out as Anthony Pippo. Yeah, I told you I butchered names. I I've been called everything. But I think my I think mine's a better wrestler than that. What? Anthony Dippo. Like, I think it's got a more uh how you doing kind of sound to it. No. You don't think so? No. I mean if you if you get a wrestling uh, a promotion organization, I'll come wrestling you with Anthony Dippo. I love you, brother. And then, and then, of course, I'll get the mic and be like, how can you have me out here and not say my name? Oh, I love it. I love it. You are the best, brother. I love your attitude. I love having you. I'm glad that we got to see each other again. I love see, seeing all the good times on Facebook, man. I'm real. Like, you have no idea. I get chills thinking about what you've been able to do. And I'm real happy to call you a friend. I, I want you to know that. I'm real happy. And, uh, you know, and, and we even got Nancy. Nancy stuck onto the camera. She didn't, she didn't even realize. She didn't realize my spy camera was out there filming everybody. We should get, we should get Leo over here. Now, is that Leo? Who's Leo? Come on. Come over. It's this shirt that she's wearing. Look, she's this is a project shirt. Right is that camera right there? Yeah, 
it's an advocate for the innocent. You don't have to look at these two mugs. You can see it. much, much better, much better, much better view. Much better view. I got something for you. There was another convention that was going on up here that, oh, yeah? you, that you missed. Uh, yes, I think I know. You know what? Yeah. I was at that yesterday. Uh, it was all B to B. All B to B. And uh, it was pretty amazing. All the uh, different avenues of approach and uh, companies and, and, and different things. It was nothing like you would have thought. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely nothing. It was more like your soil, your lamps. Take whatever you want to have. Uh, soil, lamps, um, a couple of you know, lawyers, uh, stuff like that. Like the legal side. Like it was very, because uh, I was doing the staffing side. Oh, and I was like, you need staff? And I'm like, I can't tell you how many people are like, yo, they just changed everything. It's all legalized now. We expect our business to be like 45 or 80 minutes. Oh, yeah, we're live on this. This is Mother Justice. She's a national. This Mother Justice is a national director. Come on back. Come on there, Doreen. Come on back. Yeah. Um, so she's the mother of John Chupa, who had 18 years in wrongfully stolen out. Still in. Um, yeah. Wrongfully um, convicted of killing a guy, Mark Fisher. Um, real guy confessed. Sam's always going to be my next question. Sam's going to be my next question. We brought into these situations, and we know Jeff's situation was the guy finally was like, oh, yeah, that? Yeah, I fucking did that. No big deal. And finally he's like, really? We know your situation. We're not going to get into the details of it. So you're telling me the guy admitted. Hey, here. Pull that off. And, and, and she... I'm gonna sit down. Yeah, I'll come back on. Because this is something we, we, we talk about often on, on the show. This is something that I, I, I push for. I'm Murphy, by the way. And you talk right into the mic. And your your name again is Doreen Juliana. So your son, John Jupiter, is still incarcerated today. Even though the man who committed the crime admitted to. And nobody. I did it alone, and John Yeah. And still, New York State. Yes. John I don't I don't even like as a parent I understand it. I think one of my kids did something and the other one admits to it and goes, No, I did it. As a parent, I know enough to go, okay, but then you got to get in trouble. I'm sorry. How is that not even? I don't understand. Uh, 
have to wear So they will dread the trial. Right before the election, the district election year. Right, I'm listening to you. And then after, uh, many years after, when some detectives from the DA office went to go the Right. So, so if you look into it, every person in the prison system has a number. They have a value attached to them as a number. So if you think about it, when they're moved, like why would you move people to prison? Why do they need to be moved? What is something else that you move? You move stocks, you move bonds, money. They're moved in that way because there's a value associated with that. Remember, when our current administration when he was a senator he was a senator 
and created the, uh, the crime bill that keeps people incarcerated in the way that we do right now. One of the things in that was the states can't get their money unless a person serves 85% of their time. So you get no federal funding. Right. So you get no federal funding unless they serve 85% of their time. So think about that for a second. Why would that matter to me if they serve that? Well, I need you to serve that amount of time so that I can get paid as a state for crime. So remember that. So, so you're being treated as a commodity when you're in that system. You also add to that fact that you have the corporate prison system. So that means you have corporations that are paid to run prisons in this country. So even down to the point that California, during the last administration, because they hated that administration so badly out there, finally decided, folks, we didn't want to tell everybody. We actually had corporate-run ICE, uh, immigration, immigration Service ICE, that they had corporate-run facilities in California. So when you hear all these things about how horrible the administration, blah blah, blah they're ran by corporations. So that's this is one of that's why Jeff and I always uh, are always talking about this, and I love to have folks on to talk about this because I feel like it's such a and I say it all the time. Any crime that has a map has a mathematical value associated with it was not made. Think about that. Like when I say. Oh, there's a fine associated with this. Okay, well, if I got money, I don't care about you. But folks like you and I, well, I got bills to pay. That fine matters to me. So, and that's, you know, if you even think about your, your son being incarcerated, he was probably incarcerated before his trial was done. There was a bail associated with it. Well, so he wasn't even given bail. So even worse. Needed it. Needed it for his numbers. Correct. Uh, he would have lost more elections because he lost uh, convictions. Because he's, he has to have people here like he's not on so, so where are we at with his case? Because this, so this right now is going out on three Facebook pages, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch is where this is going. This as a podcast, this is going to go out uh, probably tomorrow. I'm going to have uh, our people chop some of this up in, in segment. If people wanted to help or wanted to support, how could they do that? Um, well, you have the right to our Governor Hochul. Um, John has been in for 18 years, and we had what we call the supporting motion over and over again. And what are those? Um, it's a motion put before the court um, to show new boundaries. And, and his lawyer, that John did not get a fair trial, therefore the verdict is wrong. And if 
Jupiter. I was about to say, how to spell Jupiter? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm horrible yeah. with names, as everyone knows. And I'm Juliana, so I also have the G-I. Um, but, yeah, he didn't get a fair trial. Right? Like, you know, um, we don't have anything to do Pretty good at math, and, and I ain't never won it all myself. Yeah. Right. So, you know, she cheated, she died, she cursed witnesses. Witnesses have come back uh, after 13, 14 years and said, I lied, and John, I lied, and gave us affidavits which swore that they lied, and then they explained why they lied because detectives and the ADA and I'm sick of Nicolazzi. Right, and to coerce these false witnesses, she even took it as far as vouching for false testimony. She vouched that they were truthful when we told her, including her, that there was there was jailhouse informants. There was a mountain high of evidence that proves John is innocent. And most importantly, you know, he didn't get a fair trial. And I think you could agree with me on this one. Everybody deserves a fair trial. Absolutely. Now, Let's just give him that. I'm going to play devil's advocate. So give me, give me this. At that time, I know you said John was in college. John had all these other things going on. Was there any reason outside of what happened to think that John was involved in crime? Yes. Okay. Oh, in crime? No. In, in crime. No. Like, that's no, what I'm no, saying. No, no, like, no. like, was there a history? He never got arrested. So never been arrested, never had any other trouble. No. Only time it ever happened. And all of a sudden, he is, you know, suspect number one in a, in well, a murder. Well, absolutely not. There were other suspects. Okay. Before it, they zeroed in. Um, okay, so we have to go back. John had a improv party. John and his friends, his college friends, were in Manhattan. All partying. Some of them had to get into the bars because you had to be 21. Under 21. Okay. And he was only 20. So he brought the party to my house. Okay. And then this young gentleman, uh, Mark Fisher, who was from <laughs> New Jersey, I believe, or Connecticut, I'm not quite sure. Um, where he went to school and where he lived. Uh, left to retrieve a friend that he had initially came to my house and he was found dead three months away. So because he was in my house last, 
they focused on my son, John. But there was much more to the story. And like I said, if you look at uh, his website, freejohnjuka.com, or his Facebook page, uh, John Juka, you'll get an abundance of information. It's spelled Juka, of course, one more time. G-I-U-C-A. And if people just reach out to our webinar and say, this kid deserves a commutation, clemency, and I'm going to tell you also why. During trial, the prosecutor presented four different theories to the jury. Four different theories. John did maybe A, B, C, or D. And she gave, you know, a jury should be uh, unanimous, right? Well, we don't know if they decided on theory number one, theory number two, oh, really? two three or four, because she, she put out there that my son was a gang and wanted to up the credibility of this gang. First, let me tell you, the gang did not exist. Okay? They supposedly called themselves ghetto monks, meaning John and his friends from the neighborhood. We had friends from every uh, nationality, every religion, and ghetto mafia is what they called themselves. In addition, I mean, she never, a friend came to me and said, no, this is what we call ourselves. And that kind of sounds silly, right? Right, like, the, I think the, the, the group uh, song, Straight Cat Strut. Then there was the Westminster Warrior. But this ADA decided to take ghetto mafia and run with that because one of the kids said, no, we call ourselves ghetto mafia. It was a joke. It was a bunch of well, that was a rap that There was a rap band. That was uh, Biggie Smalls and uh, Lil' Kim and, and all of them. That was, you know, that was where they were. Right, right. So, I mean, if you spoke to one of like this like you can't even make this up you can't make this up like just hearing it out loud and and, and again to me the most damning thing here is to hear yeah the guy admitted i did it it was only me nobody else nobody else was involved it's just my bullshit hey like that in and of, of itself says to me well we need to have another trial even if it's just to and, and again i'm playing a little devil's advocate here for a moment i believe in that but you got to have another trial even if it's just to say was this guy telling the truth or wasn't you you have that that element to it just to kind of kind of clear clear the air to take this out of it so that no one could say anything. With the trials, there's a lot of evidence. And the lawyer dismantled everything. But the jury came back guilty because the rim shots. Why would they come back to guilty? And the only thing that well, there, and that's everything was leaked, but in the tabloids, it was ghetto mafia uh, killed 
kids of sitting on the table, killed his kids to uphold the credibility of the so-called gang. So there was a lot of stuff thrown out there. I think the jury was probably confused and said this kid must be guilty of something. I mean, he is sitting there. Right, he's there. Why would? Why wouldn't they? Uh, and so the ADA lied. They, oh yeah. They outright lied. Well, I mean, they, they you're in politics. You have a goal with politics. You know where you want to get to. You're trying to get to that point. You wouldn't be an ADA. You would be a private attorney if you were really the money itself was your only goal. Because we all know that private attorneys make a heck of a lot more money than a district attorney, especially an assistant district. We're not talking, you know, a district attorney. So we we, we all know how that that element works. And and I, I like I said, you you always hear me play devil's advocate to all these things. Do you think with all this news coverage that it received for two years, why wouldn't John's lawyer have pushed to take it out of the city to an area where people wouldn't have known about it? Right, that would have been my thought. Um, when you want the judge to recuse himself, there is no panel that you could go to and say oh. he is biased and he needs to be removed. You gotta go to that actual judge and say, excuse me, Your Honor, you need to remove yourself because this is what we feel. And then they can argue with they know I'm no, good. I'm good, yeah. yeah I'm good. Like, you wanna laugh, but you just brought up the subject. Yeah. Anastasia Nicolazzi bragged for many years, 18 years, that she never looked at the case, right? And if she was really that good that she never looked at the case, wouldn't you think that she was now being a whole precious as a defense? Right, why would Right, and then you go into the private practice, and that's where they make all their money at because they know how these cases get tried. Right, but you know what she does for a living? She did leave the district attorney's office. So what's she doing now? I love them all. I love them all. Is that hilarious? I mean, I have a lot of respect for actors and actresses. That's why I said so far. Right, because I've never heard of it. Yeah, right. You never heard of it. I've never heard of it. That, that, that's like uh, we had all the wrestlers and a lot of the, the seasoned guys that we have here, a lot of the legends that we have here at the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's Don't, an art. They, they don't love the, the new guys who are just kind of cutting promos. So we were just joking a minute ago. Uh, I can now, I can just say I'm, I'm, I'm a wrestler now. I'm just kind of, what's that? Uh, I, I identify as a pro wrestler. Oh, okay. I, they were all kind of joking about that. But, but well, sweetheart, I, yeah, this is unbelievable. 18 years, you know, John is suffering. He's now studying. He got accepted into Bard uh, University. Nice. I know Bard. Yeah. Yep. So it's not easy because uh, 39 years old, and he's got to start shifting gears and get into writing essays. And oh, yes. He does have a blog out there. What's, what's it, tell everybody what it is. Okay, um, it is John Juca's blog. Just like, just like that. Yeah, just John Juca's blog. Like there you go. Yeah. Keeping it simple. So he is a phenomenal writer, and I am very proud of him. He's a kind, considerate, compassionate man, and he got caught up in this hell. And like I said, it was election year, and the district attorney at the time needed to make an arrest, needed to get the conviction, and I believe he put Anna Sigam Nicolosi on the case. I love how you say her name, though. i got to tell you. 
I love how you say her name. Yeah. Because I butcher names all the time. And I couldn't. I, I would butcher her name so bad. I'd have it written down. I'd, I'd destroy that. Name. Well, spinning. I'm saying it, so get it right, right now, right? She is the one that was able to uh, commit serious physical acts. I do want to say that Mr. Mark Federer did get a reversal of the conviction back in, I'm going to get the date wrong, but let's say it was 2018. And what happened was um, he got the reversal of the conviction based on the prosecutorial Okay. She hit evidence that was exculpatory uh, in nature. Hit evidence which was beneficial to my son. And then the higher court was the DA, Eric Gonzalez. He appealed the decision of the second department to the Court of Appeals. And the Chief of Appeals, Janet D. Fiore, who recently stepped down. She had reinstated the conviction, and her reasoning is homeless error. She said, even though Anna harmless error, the man's in jail for eighteen years. Yeah, how, how that yeah, who was that harmless? To? Exactly. She said that even though Anastasia Nicolazzi did indeed hide evidence, commit serious misconduct, in the chief judge's opinion it was harmless because let me go further because she said there was overwhelming evidence in john's case of his guilt now we were shocked because there wasn't overwhelming evidence this is not true she said that the victim had a blanket that came from my house that he was laying on top of in the street when he was murdered. Yes, he had the blanket because he was in my house the night before at an impromptu gathering. The kids were drinking and smoking and partying. They were 19 years old. And he left with the blanket. And we never denied that. We said, yeah, he left with the blanket because it was drizzling that morning. And he was found dead three blocks away. So they zeroed in on my son. Initially, they zeroed in on uh, one of the party girls uh, that left my house with a young woman to go to his house three blocks away. It was laying from yeah, the first attack. Correct. So they came up with these bizarre uh, theories that he was shot in my house and then dragged three blocks away. The other one was he was in a van and they drove and dumped off. And I said, if the kids put him in a van. Why just go three blocks away? Why don't right. you go a hundred? Yeah, why would you leave it right there? In front of one of the parties of I mean, nothing makes sense. So my son has to use the lights for a bunch of babies. Maybe this, maybe that. Yeah. So it's no big base over and over again. We give him a fair trial. That will give us the opportunity to that he actually innocent. So we are going to keep fighting. Uh, John is suffering. Uh, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I've talked to, to Jeff and Anthony about these things. Uh, I yeah. just can't even imagine what that's. Yeah. 
it's all in my story. And when a lot of people say, well, you should eat. No. Hold on a second. 25 is a wife. So that means he has to do 25. Right. He can't do, you know, 21, 22. He's got to do 25. That's the number. Or, or 28 or 31 or 34 and it's just wrong he's 39 years old now like i said all his 20s and 30s and the real perpetrator said i did this did he say why he did it uh he was robbing him just robbing him robbing, uh, Mr. Oh, robbing him and he said he fought back and so i shot him wow. yeah it's a horrendous crime Right. The, Nobody's denying that. And the man who did it is in prison. His name is Antonio Russo, and he is in prison. But he, for a different, he's in prison for a different crime. No, for that crime. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He was John's co-defendant. So he admitted to it. Right, and he said he did it alone. Did it alone. He's in jail for it. Said that John had took the whole rap. Yeah. I'm not a math chief. Yes. I'm not. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So then you say to yourself, why does the judge, Danny Chuck, from Brooklyn Supreme Court, keep denying us? Why? And the only thing I could think of is, well, maybe he thinks John's guilty. Right. So, but that's not his job. Okay? His job is to follow the law. Right. And there's no alternative. John didn't get a fair trial. Judge John gave John a fair trial. What they did give him was an evidentiary hearing. Now, what did he give him? An evidentiary hearing so all the evidence could come before him and then he makes the decision. Okay. So, uh, to make the long story really short, um, when John, I'm going to be short with this, I'll try my best. Do your best. Okay. So when John got the reversal of the conviction due to prosecutorial misconduct, we were preparing for a new trial because the conviction got come out, right? So as we were preparing for the new trial, we get what you call discovery. We get more evidence than you see. And we had received a tape from a second jailhouse informant who said that in confessed to him. So we got this tape and had never seen this tape before. So this is beneficial for my son. Right. And Addison and the Colossi had this tape all along. Never ever presented it. So, so again, holding evidence, keeping right. withheld without that. So we had an evidentiary hearing. Danny Chuck allowed us to subpoena people. We had it, and the two defense attorneys, John's defense attorney and Antonio Russo. So we had a Mr. Fink for Russo and a Sam Berger for John. They swore, they took an oath that they never seen this tape before, ever. They never received it. And most importantly, Mr. Fink said, he has a procedure. He has a practice when he gets the sentence of witnesses, he goes and speaks to them. Right. And he didn't do that with this particular guy that was on the tape recording. Therefore, he knows he never received the tape. Right, because his voice would be. Um, he would have 
question the guy, he would have interviewed him. And he didn't do that, so therefore we know he never got this tape. He said, Ilana, if I got this tape, I wouldn't remember it. Now, John's attorney, that was Mr. Lewis, John's attorney said something similar. He said, I know I did not get this tape recording. Keep in mind, this tape recording, what was on it was though that was beneficial to John because it was the perpetrator confessing. Okay. So he said, Mr. Danny Sean, your your honor, uh, I did not say as the evidentiary hearing uh, went on, they both said that they couldn't remember because keep in mind this trial was in 2005. They couldn't remember what every single witness said. They couldn't say it, you know, verbatim. They don't remember it's too long ago, but they do remember that he did this case. So now it's the decision time for Danny Trump to make a decision. His decision was he believed that the two defense attorneys did get the tape. That Nicolazzi didn't hide anything. That they did get the tape because they don't remember what every single witness has said. Most likely they got this tape. They just don't remember. They just forgot. But now I'm saying this in my own words. Right, right. I know I get it. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I can't just say it. Yeah, exactly. Speak legally. Uh, but that sums it up. And he said, and Nicolanda testified at this evidentiary hearing, and she said she took all the steps to turn it over. However, she doesn't quite remember she turned it over. So here is the ADA herself saying she intended. Intended doesn't mean you actually Right, doesn't mean did. you did. I intended to be six foot tall. See how that's. So we don't see and then I said to Bella, this is being Danny Chung's favorite. The prosecutor. Oh, yeah, they're right. Think about that. They all collect their paycheck from the same people. They're all part of the same. Look, I'm not biting the hand that feeds me. We're all, we all belong to the same organizations. We go to the same clubs. We're part of the same unions. We're all part of the same, same deal there. You know, you're from New York. You know how the unions work. I mean, they're all part of the same group. The tag team. And, and, and I mean, the, you know, if you're a lawyer, if you're a judge, guess what? You're part of the same bar association. I agree with you one thousand percent, but that's what I'm saying. And it's not. There's look. What did I say at the beginning? They are traded like stocks they are a commodity if you realize that inside of prison systems uniforms for mcdonald's get made in the prison system they pay 22 cents on the, an hour they get paid 22 cents an hour whatever the number is now they get paid exactly it is a new legalized form of slave labor again remember you have to serve 85 percent of your time if you want your federal money, you have to do that. And then if you want any sort of a, of a privilege or freedom or anything, you have to then go and work these jobs at pennies on the dollar, comparably. they A lot of these, if you look at the towns they're in, they were manufacturing the textile towns where these uh, prisons get put in. 
and then these corporate prisons come in and they go, hey, we know that your industry is gone now and everybody needs to work. We'll give you a prison. You guys can all come work in the prison, but what do they do inside of the prison? They do textiles that they have, that they ship in the labor. doesn't make any sense. They just take one, two of the kids, go uh, crimes at that. See what sticks. That's it. Look it's really just like I lived in Pennsylvania for years. There was oh, a judge. There was a judge in Pennsylvania who would take kids who get caught with a dime bag and weed and hammer them with the maximum six months or a year in juvie. First offense, dime bag weed. Come to find out, he's now in jail because he was working on kickbacks from the corporate prison in that area. From the kickbacks from the corporate prisons. I'm not saying, folks, I'm not a conspiracy. That's it. I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm, I don't buy into all of them, but there's a great saying that says, if you don't believe any conspiracy theories, like you think everything's on the up and up, it, it, it's there. So we're, we're going to get ready. We're going to close the show up. I, there's no better way to close my show today than talking to you. Folks, take your time. Look at the John Juco. Look into the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. This goes on every year. This is the second year of doing it. Some phenomenal people out here. Uh, the Innocence Project, make sure you reach into that. Um, what is Anthony's? It's the uh, wrestling. What's the right name? Wrestling for Innocence. Wrestling for Innocence. Go support Wrestling for Innocence. If, you, if you're looking at Mike Falvo, who's standing in front of the camera, Mike doesn't realize he's in front of a camera right now. If you Look at that. Be nice to Mike. He's in the Air Force. We try. We do our best with those guys. You know, it's great. I, I try to help him out. But make sure you reach out. And since you get to be the last person on today's show, you get the last word. What's the last word? Alrighty, folks. Be sure to push your statement. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation. Found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.